The Accounting Insider with Kim Nitschke. Welcome back to The Accounting Insider. I'm Andrew Montesi with Kim Nitschke, and we're continuing our series on all things property. Today we're going to be talking about building and renovations. This is a bit of a, a niche for Kim, given that he is one of the few, if not the only, accountant who is also a builder. Uh, so it's a it's a bit of a specialty, Kimbo. So, uh, mate, thanks for thanks for joining us again. Pleasure. Now, I think probably the best place to start is where it all began for you, and that is the major renovation building job of your own home. And we'll go through that and perhaps pick out some of the more interesting aspects of it. With everything you do, that there's always some sort of quirky, interesting <laughs> aspect that I think a lot of people will be um, keen to hear. So perhaps let's um, start from the top, Matt, and um, talk about this project and, and how it all began. Okay, so I think in the earlier episode, I talked about a property which I bought on 20 acres at um, Summertown, which is just in the Adelaide Hills. Um, so we, we bought this house. It was a pretty run-down, shocking old house, stone cottage with an asbestos extension. So I was happy to live there. I think most guys are happy to live in a shed with a VAU, but hmm, the wives sure. usually like something a bit nicer. So <laughs> hence why we always renovate our houses. So we lived in it, put up with it, I guess, for a year and a half. And then it came to a point where it was getting to the stage where it's embarrassing bringing people home. <laughs> so, so my wife started drafting up some layouts and some concepts in Excel. And we rehashed them, number of bathrooms, number of bedrooms. You know, I think we probably did it over the kitchen table three or four times. Um, and then from that, we... Uh, engaged the services of a draftsman as opposed to an architect, you know, thinking that a draftsman is better value for money and probably has um, the required skill set that we need. Don't get me wrong, architects are fantastic and the, the stuff that they come up with blows me away. It's just that in this situation, we pretty well knew what we wanted and we didn't require that level of expertise. Do you think that might be something that people should consider? Is it maybe instead of going straight to the architect, they should Absol consider a draftsman? Absolutely. Draftsmen are way underrated, in my opinion, and um, often the the results they come up with, are, you know, um, blow you away. And and you know, there's a the cost element there too that they they don't charge the same rates, generally speaking, as the uh, architects. So um, we were certainly interested in that. We wanted to save every every dollar that we possibly could. So we sat down with the draftsman it was hard to find a good draftsman but we did our research we ended up appointing someone who'd worked for my dad 30 years earlier on a house that he'd built and he'd done it in stone so that was the only person that i could think of that came uh, that um had some experience and i had to ring him up you know it was hard to track him down and find out and sure enough he was still in business 30 years later and he remembered the job that he'd done for my dad so <laughs> he jumped in the car and came down and <clears throat> we we sort of told him what we wanted, we showed him the Excel, he took that away with him. He spent three hours measuring it all up because it was quite complicated because if you can imagine going through an old stone cottage, you don't know how wide the walls are. You can't, you know, you can measure the perimeter of the property but there's a lot of guesswork in actually working out what goes where. But he, he was pretty amazing. In three hours he came up with a floor plan of what we had and then he went away and took what we talked about and came up with a, 
um, a conceptual design. We redid that design nine times <laughs> to get it exactly as we wanted. Over the course of how much, how long was that? Uh, it, it took it probably about three months. Okay. But and, and towards the end of it, I think he was a bit too scared to pick up the phone when he saw my number come up because he knew that it was going to be a rehash of you know the old plans. Now we're happy to pay him for all of that, but every time you know everyone says that the the, the best changes to make are right at that conceptual stage. If you're halfway through and you make changes, yeah. very expensive, but right at that early stage, yeah, it's a good point. It's the best time to do it. So we're up to option nine A, and in the end, um, our house extension grew so big that. The new entrance through the extension was the beautiful entrance that everyone saw driving up the driveway. So we basically had to come up with a new um, look cottage from that aspect. So what we did was um, we didn't really like what he'd come up with. So I drove around North Adelaide and put my iPhone up over brush fences and photographed buildings (laughs) that I liked and then put them on the email, sent them to the draftsman. I said... This is what we wanted to look like. And once he got that photo, he understood exactly what we wanted. Yeah. And then the designs came back perfect. And we're thinking, yeah. that's exactly what we want, finally. I'd imagine that draftsmen and those types of very visual people as well. So you, it's probably the best way to give those type of people an idea of exactly what you want. Oh, you know, and, and he was a great guy, but he was spread too thin, like most of them. He was working on 200 houses at any point in time. Yeah. And so... You know, he just didn't have the time to sit down and get creative with our job. He just s- smashed his way through it every yeah. time. And you could tell that he hadn't put the same level of thought into it, which was fine. We weren't expecting him to. But once we showed him what yeah. we wanted, the light went on and where he went. So you, you'd nutted out the plan, yeah. signed off on it. What next? Um, then it was a case of working out who was actually going to build it. And had a couple of friends. I always like using my friends from my accountancy practice, customers from the accountancy practice, because I'm thinking if, if they support me, then I always like to support them. Yeah. My old boss at my old job said, Kim, I'll never drive anything other than a Ford Falcon because he was doing the books for the Falcon dealership down the road. Yeah. So that was my mindset. So the person that I thought was perfect for the job was had a little bit of handyman experience, but he was basically an outboard mechanic. <laughs> Now, everyone laughs at that, but he was very, very clever, and he basically built the whole house for us. Yeah, but what what led you to decide to back this guy in? You know, he didn't have experience. Any experience at all? Uh, well, he said to me on a number of occasions, Kim, you don't know half of what I can build. You know, And I'm thinking, wow, that's a pretty outlandish sort of comment to make. But he did one thing for me, and this was probably the clincher. He built... A sign for me at my office mm. and he did the whole thing in his holiday break brought it down and erected it and he wasn't happy with it and I looked at it and I just thought it was perfect mm. so I thought if he could do that and he said never built one before but it looked amazing it was all concave and curved yeah. and all of that so I thought well if he can do that let's just step it all up to the next level so that's a bit of a risk but you backed him in and then did you go about building a team around him did he do that himself uh, were you the project manager? Yeah, so I was self-appointed project manager. I had a mate who was a builder, and I needed him at the end to be happy with it, to sign it all off. Um, I didn't have my building license at that point. So he came you know, um, at various stages along the way and checked up on how I was doing. But basically, I was there every morning with my team of builders. It grew from that one guy, and I added in 
I had an old mate who I went to school with who was at a loose end, so he, he was the labourer. There's plenty of labouring in those sorts of situations. But then I brought in, you know, at one point we were running behind schedule, so I had some um, cousins who were carpenters, and I brought them in, and they pushed things along, moved it a bit faster. But tilers, um, electricians, uh, plumbers, all of that. Basically, they were all my mates. And they all worked really well together. And when you get great tradesmen on the job, they run the job for themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah just this very, uh, I don't know, it's, a lot of people would consider that high risk. Um, I think, what about your, you obviously had confidence in your own ability to be able to pull all of this stuff together. I think about from my perspective, and there'd be many others who'd be going, well, geez, I can just imagine if I was trying to oversee this project, I'd forget the little things. I might forget to appoint a tiler. I might forget about some aspect of it. Um, How did you go about making sure that you weren't missing key steps along the way? Uh, Well, you know, at the beginning, I'd sort of identified from go to woe on a spreadsheet of all the tradies I was going to get in involved. Yeah. So I'd basically got them to more or less quote it up. So I was regularly in contact with them telling them what stage I was at. Mm. So the guys who were actually on the ground were telling me, oh, you'll need to organise sand for this and you know, you, you, we'll need to do this, this and this. So they're sort of giving me feedback every day. Yeah. Don't forget, every, every day I was there on site. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the key point is you're there every day. Yeah, I'm there every day. So very little gets through um, that you, you don't know about. And I like that. I was there 8 o'clock every morning giving all my workers an iced coffee. Mm. And that builds rapport with them. And that's a chance just to have a debrief. You, you know, we're not sitting down around a table having a um, formal meeting. I'm just walking around the site with them saying, look, you know, Joe, how are you going today? What materials do you need? Are you happy with it, the way it's all going? Um, how are we going budget-wise? All of that. So mm. constantly getting updated on where we're at. And then when I left the site and went back to my accountant's practice every day, in the car I'm making phone calls left, right and centre about what I need to order in, you know, speaking to blokes about can they come and do little jobs that fit in at that stage where they're at, you know, um, running out first fixed wires Mm. for electricians, um, you know, underfloor um, plumbing for plumbers, all of that sort of stuff. So. I, I had a rough idea. It's not rocket science, quite frankly, but you know what fits in at what stage. So that we, we were, I was pretty confident we weren't going to miss anything. So did the project run smoothly, and how long yeah. did it take? It ran, well, <laughs> no, there's a cliche that says everything takes twice as long and costs three times as much. It did cost more, but only because as you're building it, and when you, especially when you're building it for yourself, you, you up-spec the job. So you know, oh gee, this would be so much nicer if I put speakers in my home theatre, or um, our living room would be so much nicer if we ran underfloor heating all the way through. So we did all of that, but at the end of the day, everyone was amazed at what price we built it for compared to a, a fixed square meterage rate, which a, a proper builder would charge. Hmm. It came in at probably um, two-thirds to a half of what it would have otherwise cost had we got a proper builder in with a recognised name. Now, banks love using recognised builders because they've got that experience and they've got someone that they can go to. But in my situation, I had a great relationship with my bank so that they knew that I'd done a couple of little projects beforehand. This was just building on that. It wasn't a huge risk to them. Yeah. 
Were there any mistakes or regrets? Um, plenty. When I go in the house nowadays, there's probably two or three things that I see every day that are obvious to me, which are basically stuff-ups, and you can't change them, but no one notices them. Yeah. Uh, so there's those little things, but I think that's true of any house. Is when you get to the end of it, with what you've learned in the process, you probably change one or two things um, in, in, with the benefit of hindsight. But other stuff, this. Of the list of probably 150 things that you have to do, I reckon I did 20 to 30 of them twice. But that was, you know, moving a window 300 mils one way so that when you were sitting in an armchair looking out of it, you had a much better view than, than you otherwise would have. Now, when you're drafting this up on paper, you can't see that. So it evolves. It's like a working yeah. document as you're going along. Yeah. And what were the key benefits lessons probably the the key wins i mean you mentioned the cost that's obviously going to be you know the main motivation um what other benefits um did you get out of it well um because because uh, a lot of people could understand the big idea when they came and saw it a lot of the tradies um that weren't customers became customers because they just loved the whole um concept we had a great so that, that's your accounting practice yeah really yeah. really helped that yeah absolutely um, the other benefits are that, I mean, when you're building for yourself, you're just so interested and passionate about it. It, it was just an awesome result in the end that um, I love and enjoy every day. Uh, I learned a lot that I can uh, um, uh, use and, and, and speak words of wisdom into my clients' situations because mm-hmm. all my customers basically have got houses, so they're always either renovating or buying new ones or whatever. So there's a lot of stuff that I learned along the way that I've put in my... Yeah, it gives you a unique skill set um, a unique niche um, in your accounting practice to have a full understanding of um, building and property development yeah and you, you learn by doing so you know of the guys that um, were there I could give them feedback on their businesses as to oh you know like I've got three quotes for this if I did and um, you know yours was at this end and this is what I like from the other guys and you know, just give them positive feedback, and they love that because yeah. other people they'd work with didn't have that insight into their situation. Yeah, and to, to be able to go to your accountant and say, "Look, I'm looking at this property development," and for you to you you could, I imagine, you'd be able to refer them a list of names of all the right people in the industry. Yes, who can do a good job, and I think that's key. You mentioned it, um, and I think it's a really key point that everyone that you work with is some sort of personal referral, personal contact. It's all relationship-based. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I was just going to say, I think, and building on this slightly, we won't um, go into too much detail, but the next episode we'll talk about the lessons that you've learned um, from building this project and beyond the impact that it's had on your the way you invest in property and how you can get extra value in the properties that you buy as part of your portfolio exactly just just two things have come to mind one is um you know i i really um pushed everyone who worked on my project as hard as i could and that relates to my business as well um you know we work very solidly when we are at work but the council came out three times and told me to stop work <laughs> but i ignored them um but I was. I found this out later, but the house that I've got overlooks Adelaide, so it's in a really unique position. You have to get local councils to agree to every plan that's drawn up, 
and every change that you make. And then you also have to go through a planning commission in the city, uh, which is another organisation, because basically they view that everyone in the city can look up at your place. So it was a nightmare. You know, in hindsight, choosing that particular property in that location was a really hard um, beast to sort of tackle. So how did you get around the whole council stuff? Yeah, so... In the end, I was on a first-name basis with a council guy. But he said to me, Kim, you've broken every rule in the book, but I absolutely love what you've done. So I'm going to work with you to get this all approved in the right manner. But he did say to me, Kim, I've told you three times to stop working, and you've ignored every time. And I said, well, it was so difficult because I had all my tradesmen lined up. I just had to take the risk and bear in mind that there may have been a fine. But yeah. I never got fined. But that... That comes back to, again, rapport and relationships. If you're a, a bastard, mm. you, that council guy would never have helped you out. No, exactly. I, I, everything he came up with, I tried to put on, you know, factor in. And if I couldn't, I'd go back to him with a really, explanation, a really good explanation to say, look, I know what you're saying, and I've really tried that, but it won't work. You know, mm. and, and so he was good. So he knew that I was really trying to um, work in with him. And as soon as you do that, they um, treat you a little bit differently. Yeah. They hate it when people just buck and rebel against yeah. everything they say and just plough on regardlessly. They don't like that at all. All right, well, next episode we'll continue this conversation about the benefits of building um, and lessons that you've learned um, and how it can help with your property investment portfolio. If you're enjoying Accounting Insider, please leave us a review and a bit of nice feedback. That'd be lovely. You can connect with Kim at nitschkinancaro.com.au. Again, we're not going to spell it out. Just Google it if you, can, if you can't work it. We've got to shorten that domain at some point. We do. Point. We do. Thanks for listening. Thanks. You've been listening to the Accounting Insider Podcast with Kim Nitschke. 